We are thrilled to be able to have Alton Hardy and Sandra. They moved to um, Birmingham eight years ago to start Urban Hope. And we were thrilled when he came to town, but have been more thrilled to get to know them as a brother and sister in Christ and a friend in Christ. So bring the word to us, brother. Thank you. Thank you. Hopefully God's saving the best for last. <laughs> and uh, in, we meet at five at Urban Hope. So I had to get up at like 4.30. I was like, wow, I ain't done this in a long time. And so <laughs> make sure I was going to be over here. But good to be here. And as Tom says, you know, Oak Mountain is one of our major, major partners. And, um, and so what you're going to hear today some have already heard, and it's really just a confirmation, affirmation to you and what God is doing in this hour, in this time, in this season here in America, in which I believe um, for such a time as this. And so I am deeply humbled to be here and to be um, preaching this morning. And so with that being said, please stand to your feet as we read a few scriptures that will kind of lead into what the Lord will have me to share. The first scripture is from Leviticus 26, 13. It says, I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, that you should not be their slaves. And I have broken the bars of your yoke and made you walk erect. One scripture says in freedom. Next verse, Romans 15, four is one of my favorite for whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through the endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. And then 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 11. Now these things happened to them, talking about the Israelites, as an example, but they were written down for our instruction on whom the end of the ages have come. This is the word of God. You may have your seats. Father, truly is this, you saved the best for last, and I pray now, Holy Spirit, that you would come, empower your servant to be able to preach the word of God as you have called me to. Bless my heart, my tongue, my mind, my thoughts, empower me and hide me behind the cross. May all this be to your glory and to your honor. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It would be an understatement, and I say that with everything within me, and saying this, that every institution in our nation, the foundations of our nation, is going through some form of transformation, whether it be good or bad. If you've been asleep, Rip Van Winkle, um, we can feel the paradigm shift happening in our country, 2020, will go down in history where something for good or for bad transpired in America. Some, many historians are referring to it as the, what we saw in the 1960s where there was a shift in our country and its values and everything else. And everything from there has led to this point. I believe that we're in that moment. But our God is sovereign over all the generations. And Psalms 33, 11 tells us that. He says that the counsel of the Lord 
stands forever in the plans of his heart to all generations. So therefore, I believe that it was the plan of the Lord to relocate me back to the south eight years ago to plant this church called Urban Hope Community Church. It has not been an easy work. Not at all. I want you to hear that. It has not been easy. It's been a very difficult work because it's going totally against the normal paradigms thinking about urban ministry. So God wanted to make sure that it wasn't hijacked. So it's been somewhat tough for, for those reasons alone. Has not been quick. And so in that work, it's been a lots, lots of um, difficult times. Times where in 2018 was one of the toughest years for me personally in ministry to this date. And I was deeply depressed and thought about quitting many times in 2018 for a host of reasons. Just was a lot of upheaval personally in the ministry and everything else. But it was a year that the Lord really broke me, broke me down and really helped me to see and what he was doing, which is what you're going to hear today, that he really wanted me to be confident in that which he had called me to and no longer to try to try to uh, cloak it or hide it, but to be very upfront with it and to know that this was not going to be done by me or my persuasion or anything else. And that I was simply a vessel, simply a vessel that was preaching, teaching, and calling out to those in whom he would give ears to hear. And so he broke me down concerning the ministry of Urban Hope Community Church. What's so important about 2018 is this, that it was 40 years from 1978 when I left poor rural Sardis. Right outside Selma, 20 miles. Born to some sharecropper parents, picking cotton before I went to school, and all of the above. But it was 40 years. I was 12 years old when I got into a U-Haul truck and left Sardis. And driving up 65, came through Birmingham. And in my life up until that point, I had never seen anything like that. I had totally been in a no man's land out in Sardis. Hadn't seen anything. Had never really seen a highway. Had never been on a highway. I know some of you is like, wow, that's a shocker. Yeah, had never been on 65. Had been on Highway 80, walking into Selma. But other than that, hadn't been anywhere else. But in those 40 years from 1978 until 2018, God has done a lot. And one of the things that he has done was to birth a vision in my heart, which is called this vision right here, which is the first slide, which is leading people out of Egypt and into the promised land of freedom. When people hear this vision and they say, wow, what a different kind of a vision. <laughs> this guy a Moses type or whatever. <laughs> no, I'm not Moses. Don't want to be Moses. Even though there are some similarities, I stuttered, couldn't talk, and I know you're looking at me now, nice little suit on, not expensive suit, but average, 
the truth to be told, was scared of my shadows. Timid, frightened kid, no confidence, fatherless, and all the above. And obviously I talked about the stuttering problem that I had. It was there. So this promised land out of Egypt, promised land of freedom. This story of Egypt to the promised land is every Christian story. It's your story today. You're either in the promised land of what God has called you to, or you're in Egypt. God has called us to live in the promised land. And that's what Paul is referring to in this text of Romans 14 in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, that God has called us. He said the story in the parents of, Egypt, of Israel is our story. And Leviticus tell us that God comes to break the yoke of slavery of Egypt from us and to bring us to the promised land. It's really the Christian story. Death and life. Life referring to Zoe, the life that God intended for us to have. He made the first man and woman true life. But we know that the fall came. And now since the fall, we've all been born into this, what we call this sin, this sin nature. Been born into this, this, this death. It's, I call it Egypt. Where the dark lord, Pharaoh, is the ruler over it. But God does something in this Egypt. He sends us missionaries, gospel proclaimers. And so I like to say this, there are really two kinds of leaders in this world. You're either one or the other. And so here's what I want to talk about. Two types of leaders. There are liberators, gospel liberators. Those who come to proclaim the good news of the gospel. And to come to the promised land which God has prepared for you. And then there are taskmasters. Those that lead the people to stay. To settle down in or go back to Egypt. Back to the decay, back to the death, back to the bondage, back to the victimology, back to that which is not of life, that which is not of Zoe, the Greek word for life, not to that, but back to bondage and decay where there is no life. So there's two kinds of people. And so the word of God shows us this in Numbers chapter 14. I'm going to read it to you in the next slide. It says, then all the congregation raised a loud cry and the people wept that night. And all the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron, liberators. And the whole congregation said to them, would that we had died in the land of Egypt. Or would that we had died in this wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become a prey. And would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? And look what they said. And they said to one another, two kinds of people in the world, let us choose a leader. And go back to Egypt. Back to the place where there's groaning, pain, suffering, darkness, no hope. 
They want to go back. Promised land is right there. Moses and Aaron, the liberators, they're not listening to him. They say, we want to go back to Egypt. So what does Egypt represent? It's a great question. People ask me, Pastor Hardy, and we explain this at Urban Hope all the time. So everyone at Urban Hope knows we had a lot of young people come about a couple of years ago, and it's like, what is Egypt? You know, and it's like, what is Egypt? What is he saying? What is he talking about? They all know now. We like to say, look how people are living like the Egyptians. So you hear me say that on, on Facebook. That's what I'm referring to. Canaanites and the Egyptians. It's a certain way of life. Basically, this is what it really means. Ephesians 2 really tells us what it means to live in Egypt. People are living in spiritual darkness and oppression. Ephesians 2 explains that. They're dead in their transgressions and sins. There's no life in them. They're in darkness. They're following the ways of the prince of the air of this world, this present age. Who's over this present world? Jesus says the God of this world. Obeying the the ruler of the power of the air, Satan, Pharaoh. Verse 2, you see that in Ephesians. That's what we mean when people are in Egypt. They're, They're obeying the dictations that come from Pharaoh or Satan, the devil. That's Egypt. Living according to their fleshly desires. And therefore, they are children of wrath, children of disobedience. They're all around us, from the east coast to the west coast, to the north to the south. Dead in their transgressions and sins. No life in them. Children of disobedience and under God's wrath. In Egypt. Dying with the decay and bondage of the enslavement to sin. All of us at one time, Paul says, everyone in the room, all of us at one time, Paul says in Ephesians 2, we participated in that life. But God does something, getting ahead of myself, but God, who's lavishly rich and mercy, does the God stuff. But I want to be more relevant what do we mean about Egypt when we use it in our modern 2020. So what's happening in Egypt that's happening in our day? So I want to kind of tease this out a little bit. So what is happening in Egypt? Well, you look at Exodus 1-3, when you read it very carefully, you're going to see the parallels. And good preachers brings out what's in the text into our modern situation so that you can see it, that God's word is not void. God's word is forever. It's eternal. It will never fade away. It's not the flower that fades away. It will not wither. God's word will always be his word. And he put it there for us to read it, to understand it. So let's look at Exodus chapter 1 and 3. What they are, what's happening in Egypt? You work solely to build Pharaoh's kingdom. You read that story of the children of God. They're in Egypt. And what are they doing? They're just working for Pharaoh, making bricks and straw. Day in, day out. No sense of hope, no sense of purpose. You didn't have the opportunity to go to Westminster School. No, you make bricks. That's your job. Make bricks. (laughs) You don't have a best life now. No, you make bricks. You don't have a purpose. No, you make bricks. That's your purpose. You make straw and bricks for who? For Pharaoh, Satan. You don't, you, you know, if you're going to glorify anybody, you're going to glorify me. 
Satan. They're marred in their self-image, lack of hope, groaning. The people are groaning with sufferings. The taskmasters are, are standing over them all the time. What do you think the taskmasters did? Walked around and said, hey, hey, slave, hey, Hebrew, you know what? You, one day you're going to get free and you're going to worship Yahweh. You really are going to worship him. No, they didn't say that. <laughs> no, don't believe those two guys. Plus, plus that one that stirs a lot, don't really don't believe him. <laughs> don't believe Pastor Hardy. He's stuttering. Look at him say his words right sometimes. <laughs> Listen to me. You're staying here. <laughs> You're nobody. Look at your thin color. Look at who you are. No hope. Spiritually slavery. Oppression everywhere. Complete dependence on the government of Egypt for survival. Everything is from Egypt. They're surrounded by it. And then Pharaoh has what? Read the word of God. So he puts an edict out on the killing of the male babies. Why the male babies? He tells you why. If the male babies grow up and become a man of God and follows Yahweh, he's going to put me out of commission. He will join with my enemies and destroy me. So I don't want him to become a man. I want to kill him as a baby and kill the male babies because if we get rid of the male babies, we'll always have them in our slavery. We'll always have them in bondage. They will never able be able to defeat us as long as we take their men out of their homes. So you see the parallel. Urban Hope Community Church is a mission Ministry, a church that's endeavoring to reach the urban poor, the forgotten ones, those who have been abandoned. Some of you have heard me say this many times. 60, 70 years, these inner cities have been forgotten. They've been abandoned. You have white, black flight. You have all kind of flight. But God is on the move. Ashlon is moving. He has not forgotten the groaning. He has not forgotten the pains. He sees the sufferings coming out of these inner cities. He sees it every single day. He watches every single murder, every single suicide. Do you know that the urban youth, black fatherless youth, has the highest suicide among all suicides? And in these urban poor communities, one of the things you see is people are robbed of their creativity, their ability to think and have dreams. I had no dreams in Sardis. I had no father to demonstrate to me what it means to work. So I got father's wounds. I have no ability to dream. All I wake up and see is cornfields and cotton fields. And no neighbors or no friends. And then severe poverty on top of it. But the greatest of poverty was the poverty of the mind. No ability to dream. I was dreamless. So what you see in these inner cities is is a dreamless state of mind. Internalized inferiority. Victimology one-on-one. Who are you? I'm a victim. 
I'm a perpetual victim because of a, this or that, of a zip code or skin tone, where I live, what I didn't do or what I didn't have, I'm a victim. This is what we see. That's why last Saturday, sitting here with me, Don Sellers, Tom, and Bob, you heard me say, we're not victims. Y'all get the part of Pastor Hardy where there's faith and confidence. I'm 54, but the truth of the matter is, the man standing in front of you, I can write a book on victimology. I lived it. I couldn't preach in front of white people because I would look at my skin and say, I don't know where God is, so therefore I'm a black person, so therefore I couldn't stand in front of people and say the things that I'm saying now with confidence because all of my identity was gone. I was a victim of circumstances of life. That's why I took baths in Clorox. That's why I tried to do something to myself. And I wish I would have had a man like Pastor Hardy who would have came along to me and said to me while I was taking baths in Clorox and told me who I really was. That I've been made by God, but God got to me over time. And people in these communities living in fear of survival for becomes the only goal. Government policies, the rations from Egypt. And this is real. Why do they want to go back to Egypt? Choose a leaders, leaders back to Egypt. What's in Egypt that's so alluring that they want to go back to Egypt? This is the spiritual formation of Urban Hope Community Church. If you ever wanted to know what's going on at Urban Hope Community Church, this is at the base foundation of what's happening at Urban Hope Community Church. What we are endeavoring to undo. And we have to plant these churches in Birmingham, Bessemer, Eastlake, and wherever the Lord will lead. This is a moment, a time in history. But we have forces of darkness that are warring against us. We wrestle or not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual wickedness in the high places, Paul tells us in Ephesians 6.12. Satan's worldviews, his kingdom is pressing in upon us here in the West. You can feel it. It's everywhere. These worldviews are anti, they're anti-therical to the heart of the word of God and the gospel. And they're reaping havoc in these inner cities. The BLM tried to remove it from their website because of modern technology. Pastor Hart is one step ahead of them. I took screenshots. Because word was getting out what they're really about. And what they're really about is these government rations of Egypt, everything becoming from one source, the government. And in that, they want there to be no desire to ever want to leave Egypt. And so let's go back to what are the rations in Egypt. Um, the verse says um, here, Numbers chapter 11, verse 4 is one of our spiritual foundations of, of formation for Urban Hope church and vision and mission. Here it is. It says the riffraff among them had a strong craving for other food. This is Numbers chapter 11, verse four. The Israelites wept again and said, who will feed us meat? 
And this far, here it is. Didn't get this from a commentary. God revealed this, showed this to me, reading and studying his word. We remember the free fish we ate in Egypt. It's the free stuff. Being pushed on the people to lure them back to Egypt. Do not underestimate the power of free stuff. The only thing God wants us to understand that's free is the grace of God. And it wasn't free. He had to give his life as a ransom for the many. The free fish, the leeks, the onions, the cucumbers, the melons, the garlic. Come on back. We'll give you the free stuff. And every four years and every two years or every three years, please remember to vote for me. Remember, I'm here to help you. I really care about your well-being. Don't hear Pastor Hardy and those liberators. They're speaking false lies. You'll see that in Exodus chapter 5 when Pharaoh says, don't listen to Moses and Aaron and their false lies. Listen to me, Pharaoh. I got you. I love you. I take care of you, right? Come on back. Here's the thing. Pharaoh says, now, I got to get him out the home. Can't, you can't come back with him. You can't come back with them dads. Can't come back with them fathers. You can't get this free housing with a marriage certificate. You don't have to have a marriage certificate where you have to come live with me. Just come on back to the projects. We don't want husbands and wives. We just want single moms. But we'll take care of you. But Pharaoh says, kill the sons. Have them join the gangs. Have them drop out of school. Have them fill up the prisons. Have them commit suicide. Have them die in the streets. But I do what I do because I'm the devil. I'm Satan. I hate God. But come on back. I'll give you a few rations. I'll make sure you don't have to pay rent until Jesus comes to get you. See how real it is? The government of Egypt is so smart. They say, we know that most of us won't even put the dots together. They tell you, the government literature and research, that 85% of the young men in prison, on drugs, homeless, you name it, every social pathology, guess what the key? Number one, uno common denominator is, is in it all. Guess what it is? Fatherless. Pharaoh, Egypt, kingdom. Removing of the male headship from the home. That's what urban hope is up against. That's what we're endeavoring to plant churches in. We're not boxing at the air. We know what it is that we're trying to hit in Fairfield. And we don't get a lot of fanfare. But that's all right. As long as Jesus and Oak Mountains and others like Oak Mountain understand what it is. And I'm going somewhere with that because that's important. So what is this all about? The promised land. We've come that people will be brought to the promised land. So what does the promised land represent? And how do we get there? Well, the promised land is life, Zoe, 
as God intended, where we glorify God in all of life. Whether we eat, whether we drink, we do it all to the glory of God. You're seeing it being played out right in front of you. I really want you to catch that. You're seeing this man standing in front of you, had no hope, no ability to dream. This gospel of the promised land is real. It's purpose living. God made me, fashioned me in my mother's womb before I was, before, and he had a calling for me. And you're getting to see it. You're getting to see the word of God come out of me as the spirit of God moves upon me. That's promised land that God made me and I'm not a victim. That I could come in in Oak Mountain and preach three times and, and preach what I believe the Lord has put on my heart. And But there was a whole part of my life when I lived as a victim where I didn't feel like I was loved. I didn't feel like because I had the wrong skin and I had the wrong zip code. I didn't have a dad. I didn't have all the right education. That I was a nobody in this huge, big old world. And suicide bombarded my mind day in, day out. But God... But God, a real God, steps in and says, you are fearfully and wonderfully made, and I died for you. You are no victim. This is why you see it rise up on the inside of me every time I come face to face with that victimology, because all of my life, that's what I was carrying. But no more can you put that on me. I know who I am now. I know who has called me and I know who died for me. I'm a man. That's promised land. And I can walk in the old mountain. I can go in these other churches and I can preach. And no longer do I have to look over my shoulder and say, God, I can't do it because I don't look like Tom Pett. That is not the gospel. Those are the lies of Egypt. And there are lies that many people in these poor urban communities believe. There is no purpose for them. They don't understand this freedom whom the Son sets free. What is he setting you free from? He's setting you free from the lies. The lies of Satan, the God of this world, Pharaoh. And whom the Son sets you free. And God has set me free, brothers and sisters. He set me free. He set me free. I say that he has set me free. That's why I love Jesus so much. He has set me free. And I want him with all that is within me to come to our inner cities and set the fatherless free. It's not just good enough for it to be me. I want him to do this to every boy and girl on the west side in Bessemer in Eastlake. I want him to set them free. And this is why this leads to this next thing. How did they get there? This is where you guys come in. Well, how did they get there? It says, it's so through the church 
the people of God. But I, you guys have heard me preach this text before. I'm going to let the cat out the bag. This is, this is where you come in. Satan never saw this coming, nor did I. But God works his purposes out for every generation. I was in Sardis. And God came to Sardis. And for 40 years, he's been working behind the scenes. For such a time as this, I'm not God. And God knows what he has done to get me here. So in these 40 years, God's been working his work of grace in my heart. And what God says, and you heard me preach it through the manifold, you get to hear it first here at, at Oak Mountain. What God put on my heart, he says, I'm raising up a conservative group of men and women, Christians. They will work with you to help plant these urban churches because I'm going to touch their hearts. As I told you the prophecy in the wee hours of the morning, and they will be reconciled to you. And they're going to be your friends, and they're going to hear, trust me, Elton. And they're going to help you do this gospel work all over Birmingham and all over America. The enemy did not expect for this kind of connection to take place. But God is God. An urban kid in a conservative church and a conservative denomination. That's the manifold. People, the enemy didn't see it, but God has been working it. But here's where I got to back up. It's through the church. People of grace. We are the ones that are called to go into all the world. We are the ones that are called to go into all the world and to make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them, teaching who? Teaching these urbanites who have been forgotten who've had rations thrown at them, but no one has ever sat down with these young men. And that's what I'm trying to do. Sit down with them and tell them that they don't have to live out the sins of their abandoned fathers who left them. That they don't have to live out the sins of their moms. That they don't have to live out the sins of their grandparents. But they can live this life called Zoe life. They don't have to die at 25. They don't have to die at 22. And they don't have to go to no filthy, unhealthy prison. But they can live the promised land. Teaching them that marriage is God's blueprint. Teaching them that what you see and what you saw of Marlon Humphrey, that kid from Hoover, as he talked about his dad, he couldn't help but cry that that could be your life, that you don't have to leave your children, that you can be married to the woman that you love and raise your children. Teaching them the ethics of sex, teaching them the ethics of work, teaching them the ethics of being a man or a woman of God, teaching them, discipling them. That's what we do at Urban Hope. It ain't a quick fix. It ain't a home run. It's a long, grinding fight. And yes, I'm tired at times. Yes, I get called in the midnight hour. Yes, but it's for God's glory that I give my life for. And you, 
urban Oak Mountain has God called you for this. And this is why we do it. And I end here. The greatest form of slavery, we all know it, in Egypt is what? It is spiritual slavery. Which is basically enslavement to what? Sin. It's always about sin. It is sin that has messed this whole thing up. This was not God's intention. It was not God's intention. It's sin. Fatherlessness is the result of the fallen world. It's sin. All the gang banging is the result of sin. It's all it is. And the greatest slavery or enslavement is sin. As Brother Tom comes, we receive the communion. And Jesus, as we come on the Lord's day, and this is why this is important, this is a church. I'm a church man. I'm a pastor of a church. It's in the church where we baptize people. It's in the church where they're baptized, in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Nonprofits should not be engaged in that. That's the work of the church. What else happens in the church? You can only do this at the church. If the church is the what we remind the people that God has done the greatest rescue plan in the world, in the universe, where he took on flesh and took on our sins so that we could be made righteous. And this meal reminds us and we are urged to remember the great deliverance from Egypt for all of us. Satan had us bound. He had us in decay. There was no life. But God, who was rich in mercy, saw us groaning, trying to find him. But God came down the stairway of heaven, and he went all the way to a cross, taking on my sin, your sins, And he said, I never want you to forget this story. So every Lord's Day, as you come to this table, I want you to remember the great rescue from Egypt. I put my blood, my covenant of blood for you. That's what this whole thing is about. And it's through the church, the manifold. Wisdom of God should be made known. And so in that, brothers and sisters, I invite you into a time of prayer as Brother Tom comes. God is moving. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for... I don't even have words to say anymore, Father. I offer this time to your glory, for your glory. As we receive this meal, encourage our hearts. This I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.